As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to The Good, The Dad and The Ugly, the podcast by dads, for dads, and for anyone else interested in the topic of fatherhood. This is blokes talking about stuff, important stuff, dad stuff, the good and the ugly sides of it. I'm Seth, a first-time dad, and I'll be joined by my pal, Jamie, a soon-to-be dad, along with a different guest on each episode. And this is essentially our month-by-month account of what we're going through and what's on our minds as we foray into these unfamiliar, joyful, and often choppy waters. Choppy waters. Choppy waters. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode five of The Good, The Dad and The Ugly, the fatherhood podcast. Thanks for downloading. Um, We have a a really special guest uh, with us today who we're uh, very pleased to have, and I will introduce him in a moment. But first of all, I'm going to introduce Jamie, who you all know as my trusty... I shouldn't really call you like a sidekick because that's a bit of a... No, I guess I'd take that role. That's fine. I'm I'm Sancho Panza to your Don Quixote. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's maybe making us much cooler than we... I'll take it. Okay. Yeah. And so how are you doing? Yeah, good, good. 32 weeks in now. That's, uh, well, we've only got eight weeks to go. So kind of the home stretch, I guess, which is good. Feeling good. Feeling... Got your uh, baby room finally sorted out. Yep. Decorated it this week, which was, yeah, an overwhelming sense of achievement. Probably too much of a sense of achievement. I felt like I'd really conquered something because I've been talking about it and not doing it for quite a while. And now we've done it and I just kind of felt myself going in there every now and then after doing it and just looking at my work and assessing everything Did I've you, done. Like, I was just interested because like, before we've talked on this podcast before mm. about you and your kind of lame DIY abilities. Yeah. So I, painting... As in does, I have none. Yeah. So painting doesn't fall... I mean, it's not really DIY, is it? But No, I was actually impressed. I, I masking taped it all up. Right, yeah, I was going to say. Did that. Then masking taped the floor, which Nat told me to do because we were painting skating boards as well, which I wouldn't have thought of doing. Right, yeah. So I'm quite glad she told me to do that. So yeah, done all that, put a cot up, which is quite surreal for the first time. Never done that before. Did you buy a new cot? No, we, we got it given to us. by A lot of what we have has been given to us, to be fair. Yeah. Um, That's the best part about having kids after your mates, isn't it? That you can yeah, just... you can just nab it all, basically. Yeah. Which is great. But putting it up, yeah, surreal. But it, as a, you know, the baby's not going to be in it for six months. So I don't know what the point of it was, really, other than just to kind of tell ourselves that we are having a baby well you won't you won't have time to do it later so you might as well do it now so i've heard yeah that's a good point actually yeah i've started snoring 
which <laughs> is uh, so I've never snored in my life before. Really? So people wondering... always say that, and then it turns out not to be true. No, 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 no. Nat's told me she's just turned to me and said, "Why have you started snoring? I've snored every night for the last like two weeks." And I never, never snore. And I think it's because I'm becoming a dad. And that's what dads do. They snore. And I think that's the thing. I'm getting ready for falling asleep on the couch and just snoring the house down. But yeah, I don't know why that is. It's weird, right? It is a bit weird. Do you snore? No, I'm not really a big snorer. But I do occasionally slip into snoring if I've had too many drinks or something. Right. Yeah. Speaking of which, how's Eliza sleeping? Um, Not quite as well as I sort of led you to believe last time. I sort of said last time that she was basically sleeping through the night. Yeah, you were being the smuggest person I've ever met. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, yeah, that wasn't quite accurate. Um, to be fair, she did for a little while. She was sleeping through the night and it was kind of amazing. It was like, hang on, is this what it's going to be like from now on? Now she does sort of wake up usually around sort of four o'clock or that's mm. a bit unpredictable. But the reason why I've been getting away with it is because I just don't wake up. Um, yeah. So Alice is very attuned to the baby's kind of cries and, and movements so she'll wake up as soon as she starts to stir um, so it never gets to the stage where she starts screaming and so yeah I'm, I'm sort of blissfully unaware just right so it was never that Eliza snoring. was sleeping through the night it was just that you were sleeping through the night exactly yeah, yeah right okay it's a couple of other things that have been playing on her minds a little bit is that one one she's kind of developed this bloody tendency to have little tantrums every so often right which is over what well, that's the thing. Like, tantrums, what are they about? Like, the whole thing about tantrums, it's not really about anything. It, like, there's no discernible reason. She just, something will happen, and then she'll start crying. You'll be like, okay, and then it's a bit more, and then a bit more. And before you know it, it's like a full-blown kind of just wailing fit. Right. And it's nothing, yeah. you know, there's nothing that can be done to Babies, sort of sell yeah. it, basically. Babies. Yeah. That's what they do. So that's, yeah, that's, that's fun. Oh, good. I'm kind of glad you're having a bit of a rougher time with it. Like, on a, in a, on a you know... On a friendship basis, but you did seem to be getting quite an easy ride for someone who just had a baby. Yeah. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fair. <laughs> I can. I, I no. You're right. I mean, you, you're very within your rights to kind of feel as though I needed a little bit of comeuppance. I suppose. Yeah, and a reality check. A reality check. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. Okay, good. Everything else all right with Eliza? Well, we were a little bit concerned about her weight. Okay. She Too went, fat. Yeah, exactly. She's a fatty bumbatty. As you know, because we had some friends over the other day, and one of them, uh, one couple, have got a, a boy who he's quite a bit older than Eliza. I think he's about six months, but he's enormous. Right, like it's extraordinary. Uh, he's still just being completely fed on milk, but he's just must be guzzling like gallons of the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I mean, there's no way that Eliza is going to be that size. In, and he, so Will, who we had on our second podcast, his daughter Freya is. I think about a year now as well. So she's actually older than Theo, who's this other baby. And she's like half the size of him. <laughs> so it's kind of amazing. So I'm not, I'm, we're not too worried because we appreciate the fact that kids like grow at different rates yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And she doesn't seem like she's not feeding. Yeah. She just doesn't drink as much milk as other babies do. And I guess so. you can't really force feed them milk if they don't want it. Yeah, so that's the thing. If they don't want it, basically you'll get to the point where Alice will be a bit, a bit like, you know, have a bit more and she'll just be like, start crying start getting agitated and it's like there's no point yeah, yeah, yeah. you know getting yourself into that situation oh fair enough yeah anyway we should probably get on and yeah. introduce our very special guest for today who, who is your daddy and what does he do and that is simon hooper who you will probably better know as the father of daughters or just fod from instagram <laughs> 
hello, Simon. Hi there. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much for coming on. It's a bit of a coup for us to, to get you on here. Yeah, we've um, actually got someone of interest on this, this well, podcast. You don't like disrespect our previous guests. They've been and gone. They've been and gone. I don't care about <laughs> them anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, it is, it is a big coup because in the, you know, this is a podcast around the subject of parenting and, and fatherhood in particular. And you, you are very well known for that kind of thing. I am indeed. I don't quite know how that happened, but yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so just for people listening at home, could you just quickly sort of describe what your sort of Instagram page is about and, you know, what's your kind of angle on it? Um, so uh, my Instagram thing is about honest parenting. I was getting pretty bored of seeing social media posts about look how perfect my family is and look at us all holding hands, walking down a sunset beach kind of scene. And not many people out there were showing the fact that under the high chairs, there was a hell of a lot of dried pasta that no one had bothered to tidy up. (laughs) And we were all arguing with each other and we had fights at bedtime. And to be honest with you, 50% of the time we don't like each other. But we all get through it in the end. So I just wanted to show what real parenting was like. And the other thing was there weren't very many fathers talking about it. My wife started a blog called gasandair.com, which was about midwifery and supporting women through childbirth. And that got very successful. And as a side project, she started an Instagram account. So I was always watching over her shoulder to kind of look at what was happening on Instagram. And it was all women talking to other women about parenting. And... 50% of the parenting team was missing. Uh, Mm. And I just thought, right, well, I need to try and fill this void somehow. So those two things kind of collided, the fact that there were no dads there and no one was really talking about honest parenting. So I thought, well, maybe I can just fill that void. And that's where it started. The other thing that I do slightly differently is try and tell a narrative to, Mm. to what I'm doing. So some people will just post a photo and then they'll add some hashtags. Yeah. And I didn't want to do a blog because... Well, I don't think that many people have time to read really long reams of stuff and scroll 15 times to the bottom of a page to read something. So one of the things that I wanted to try and do is add a narrative to my pictures and tell the real story about what's happening in that picture and try and make it funny because... To be honest with you, parenting is funny. Mm, Like being surrounded by kids most of the time, something's going to happen that is just mildly amusing or downright hilarious. And whether it's someone shitting themselves and us having to deal with it, you know, whatever, there is always things that we have to deal with. And I I just think that we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously as parents. See, how many, like, followers... What do you call them on Instagram? Followers? Followers, that's right, yeah. So um, I now have... At my last check, just before I came in here, um, <laughs> 589,000 followers. Bloody hell. And yeah. that's in the space of how long? I started uh, March 22nd last year. So wow. that's just over a year. That's, yeah. that's impressive. Yeah. And that was that's ne- a lot. Well, that was never the, it was never the intention. Yeah, right. right. So it was one of these things that kind of grew organically. But yeah, I seem to have gone from zero to rather a big number in a relatively short space of time. So uh, yeah, it's it's been an interesting ride, that's for sure. And I've never known what it's FOD or FOD. It's FOD. FOD. Yeah, people call me FOD. Like right. I, someone stopped me in the street just before I came in here and said, "Oh, FOD, how are you doing?" <laughs> I was like, "You don't know my name, yeah. <laughs> but you know my acronym." Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> but yeah, so it's fun. Because I've been sort of catching up today in preparation for a podcast recording on on some of your recent posts. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the sort of storylines in your, I suppose, 
It, it's actually my life. <laughs> it's not a storyline. No, I but, know. I, okay, fair point. Not to but us. It, not but to it us. is to your, you know, to your readers, viewers, um, followers. It is kind of like a, a, a story yeah, being played. It, it's out. an episodic thing which people follow. It, it's becoming increasingly strange that people know what I'm doing, where I'm doing it, and who I've done it with. So yeah, but it, it's quite a strange one. But anyway, I'll, carry, I'll let you carry well, on. Well, no, because I feel like it's weird that I know this stuff about you we've never met before but i know the fact that your wife has been away for the last two weeks or something uh, she's been away for eight days eight yes. days yeah so you've been looking so you're and the reason it might not be like well known to everybody listens to the podcast but um the reason simon is called father of daughters is because he is the father of, of daughters i have four daughters i have four daughters i have uh, anya who's nine i have marnie who's six and i have twin girls ottilie and delilah who are Coming up 16 months, but I can't tell them apart. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm failing at that part of fathering, but I've managed to father four girls. So, uh, there you go. On our previous episode, we had Jim Hickey on, who is himself the father of daughters, twin daughters. And he wasn't sure whether they were identical twins or not. Right, yeah. And this is the same thing that happened to me. Although ours was slightly different. And I'm probably more educated in this area because I'm married to a midwife, which is quite helpful. Of um, helps. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and plus they were Babel number three and four. So I felt like I had enough knowledge around how this stuff works. But my understanding is that they came from one egg and then the egg right. split and then they had separate sacs. So there's a special name for it. I'm not even going to try oh, yeah. and give you what the name is. But there was a high percentage chance that they were going to be identical. And when they came out, uh, we still weren't sure. And you can do a DNA test to figure out whether they are. And we decided, you know what, we don't need to. uh, I'm okay not knowing. And by the way, they look exactly the same anyway. So, you know, it's fine. Whether they are or they aren't, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. And I'm already seeing at the age of 16 months their personality differences. So, so I that's can, the only way you can tell them apart. Well, there's, there's also a, one has a birthmark, but I don't want to have to strip them naked every time <laughs> I want to tell them apart. Yeah, you know, that, embarrassing for them. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which one are you again? <laughs> um, so, yeah, but I'm getting there. And as soon as they, uh, they're starting to talk now as well. So I'm starting to get words and I'm starting to see different characteristics. So I can tell them apart by their characteristics rather than just what they look like. Going back to what Seth was saying, actually, it was quite interesting reading some of your latest ones about Clemmy being away for eight days. Like, how, yes. like, was your first reaction, oh shit, this is going to be a nightmare? Or did you think, no, this is great material I, for Instagram? No, I, well, <laughs> those are the only two the, options. Need, that's what neither of those options were the things in my mind, if right. I'm honest. <laughs> so, first and foremost, I'm a parent and I actually really enjoy spending time with my kids, yeah. which sounds crazy, I know. but Four kids, though. Well, the thing is, it's not like one day I had none and then the next day some UPS delivery guy turned up and said, here's your four kids, deal with this. I've had to, you know, look, grow, adapt, evolve over time to be able to deal with it. And I'm glad the twins didn't come first. Let's put it that way. I would have found that hard. Mm. But over time, you know, it's like anything. Numbers build and you know how to deal with it. And I'm, I guess, what you might call an experienced parent. So actually, I was looking forward to it. Um, one, I got a week off work, which was fantastic. Um, and two, my wife was away. That doesn't, that's a good and a bad thing. The good reason is because she's not going to nag me about cleaning the house. And I'm also in charge of all the rules, and, <laughs> yeah. which means I can dress them in whatever the hell I want. <laughs> and also, I actively encourage Clemmie to go away. She hasn't had a break from the twins for 16 months. And 
I think it's unhealthy not to have a little bit of time on your own. And how old are they? So they're 16 months now. But anyway, so I kind of just basically made up the rules as I went along and I did all the things I need to do, like feed them and change them and play with them. But, you know, it's not that complicated. People can make parenting very complicated if they want to. And I really don't see it as that difficult because it basically is having fun with little people. And And I enjoy doing that. And I think most men, to some degree, are a kid at heart anyway. They don't really grow up, or at least that's what I'm told by my wife, that I need to grow up more. So, I don't know. Because obviously the the Instagram stuff is not your... You have a job as well. I do. I have a full-time job, which people are always amazed by. So, I'm I'm actually a management consultant by trade. I'm an operations director for a management consultancy firm in High Holborn in central London. Right. And I've been doing that for 10 years. and, And it takes up most of my working life really i mean i, I yeah. work 45 50 hours a week and then parenting is the next bit and then instagram comes after that which means i don't get a lot of sleep these days yeah. but but i don't think as a parent you're allowed to be tired you're not allowed to talk about being tired anymore there, there's that point where you're 21 22 you've had a heavy night and you're like yeah i'm, I'm tired i'm just gonna stay in bed now if you're tired don't mention the word because your wife will be like, yeah, well, I've been tired for six years, so well, you're not allowed to talk about that and you're not allowed to have a break. Well, okay, fine. So I'm not, I'm not tired. It's just what I am now. That's mm. it. That's it. It's your constant state. Yeah. How do you separate like, your Instagram from... Because I would just be distracted with the amount of... you know, If, if I had 540,000 followers and that many likes per... I'll just be constantly on that during what I'll get no work done. I rarely get work done now when I'm trying to keep up with the Instagram account for this, <laughs> the Twitter account for this, my own Instagram account, the Facebook account. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm completely um, sidetracked by the red dots. Well, you, you have to compartmentalize your life. So my working day is my working day. And there are some other bits that obviously will impact that. So if I need to do an interview, for example, or something, I'll do it on my lunch break. But I'm paid to do a job so I need to do that job then really when I get home or when I'm demanded to come home by my wife <laughs> like you need to come home now I'll get back about six thirty, seven o'clock and then I'll help put the babies to bed then the older ones will have a bath they'll get dressed for bed get sorted I'll read a bedtime story we'll probably eat about eight thirty, and then maybe watch some crap on television but then my evening is kind of my other life my social media life and the amount of time that I spend on that is growing. Right, yeah. As followers grow, then obviously the amount of time I need to spend on it grows. So I find myself kind of really going to bed at kind of one o'clock. And then I get up at 6.30. So I, I now live on five and a half hours sleep. Fucking hell. But that's fine. Because I've been doing it for so long, it just feels normal now. Yeah, yeah. And I've given up on breakfast. Breakfast is for wimps anyway. So, you know, th- that time in the morning that I do have is really kind of dedicated to changing nappies, getting bottles sorted, putting on my Lycra to ride to work. Yes, I am a middle-aged man in Lycra and I'm proud of it. That's fine. <laughs> and and, then, and then the day starts again. That's my 24 hours. It's full. So God. just keep going. I don't know. I, I need my breakfast. I don't know. That's going to be... If it, if it comes down to the kids or breakfast... That's it. That breakfast be, that wins, that pushes you out the door. Yeah, I, right. I have found, though, over time, uh, the more children I have, the more leftovers there are. So I now go to a restaurant and I won't order myself a meal because there are four children and my wife who probably won't finish her meal as well, which constitutes a whole meal. So I'm saving 
money by eating leftovers and that works for breakfast as well there is always milk left in a bowl with half a bowl of cheerios fine if i need breakfast that's what i'll have so every meal's a meze yeah exactly nice it's fine (laughs) (laughs) i'm the loafer of my family are you are you getting to the point though where you are thinking about giving up your your day job maybe you can't speak about that i thought you were just about to say are you thinking about having a fifth? <laughs> I was like, no. Well, we can, we can talk about that, yeah. Uh, well, we can get onto that later. Yeah, Am I yeah. thinking about giving my day job up? Um, no, not at this stage. Uh, it's, I'm so used to having this kind of balance in my life now for the last year. And it, yes, the balance is changing a little bit. But I do love what I do as a profession. It keeps yeah. my brain active. And it's a slightly different work to my Instagram work. Instagram is like being creative and being funny and being, you know, good with writing and making sure I communicate with people and engage with people. And my day job's a little bit more different to that. And I I like both of those parts of my life. So at this point in time, I'm happy to balance them both. But I can see a point in the future where it may be difficult to When you have more kids. Uh, well, now we're talking about that subject. We're moving straight on. Well, that may well not happen because I'm considering a vasectomy. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So, and when I say considering, I mean reading You've planned things on the internet. <laughs> no, 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 no. Reading things on the internet to see whether or not I'm uh, likely to have everlasting pain in my testicles afterwards. Is that a thing? Then? Yeah, that is a thing, right? So apparently 5%, and I, I, I will be 5%? that 5%. That's hang, quite a hang high. On, I haven't finished That's a sentence. No, I, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, knowing my luck, I'll be the 5%, I know. But they do have kind of residual pain left in their testicles after they have a, uh, a vasectomy performed. And also, there's this kind of weird masculine thing that I am no longer able to have children and how do I feel about that? And I don't know how I feel about that. I'm still trying to get over that hump, which is a weird one because none of my friends have had that procedure. I was the first one of my friends to have kids as well. So I'm also going to be the first one to consider that. And so I don't have many people to talk to about it. Yeah, I just think it's very final. It's very... It is, yeah. You know, that's that's you making the decision and who knows. knows, But presumably, I mean, if you've got four kids... yeah. That's probably that decision is, and, and you know what? It would made. be another girl anyway if I had another one. <laughs> so, yeah, because because uh, I was going to ask. So you had two girls already when yeah. you had the twins. Were you? I mean, were you trying for? I mean, obviously you don't really know what's going to happen, but was kind of that was one yeah, more so roll of the dice. I, I'm I'm from a family of three, so I have a brother and a sister, and Clemmie is also from a family of uh, three kids as well, so she has a brother and a sister, and I like the dynamic of three. Yeah, and it was just my luck that it turned into twins and I wouldn't change it for the world don't get me wrong but Clemmie told me via text message um, <laughs> that it was twins right and I think I remember kind of just sinking to my knees and I was like why does this keep <laughs> happening like I can't get the boy I've got twins yeah Simon so you had you had the twins two more girls do you feel like you're basically completely outnumbered at home well, the mass tells me that I am. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one against five. Yeah, I do feel outnumbered, but I mean, not in a bad way. Uh, I think my girls aren't terribly girly girls. If they were constantly running around in fairy dresses and doing loads of girl stuff that they weren't involving me, then I might do. But in reality, I think children at this age are fairly malleable. Uh, they take on to what's around them. So if you're interested in 
science or I'm trying to get my daughter interested in what's going on in CERN for example that's not going well by the way but I I think it's important that they learn about these things so I'll spend time with them talking about this stuff and it's not that they're androgynous at this age but they they're not like women or men yeah they're they're children and they are sponges of information so it's just having that ability to relate to them and talk to them about something which is of common interest which is great don't get me wrong i still get the fairy dresses and go to gymnastic classes and all that kind of stuff which is fine but i've made my peace with that and they still come and watch rugby with me like when it's played so we have our crossover points we have the points where it's just me usually when i'm doing diy in the shed or fixing my bike or doing something like that and i enjoy that time yeah but i also enjoy being a bit of a girl now and again like getting my nails done with the girls or you know that they have this obsession i'm basically a living mannequin yeah. to them so doing well, hair and nails is like the thing I suppose, that they do yeah i, I mean i guess because you sort of alluded to it before it's like that you said that you'll probably feel more outnumbered at the point when they're kind of teenagers yes definitely i think where i yeah where they get to that age where they are young women that's probably where i'm going to be like oh man no, i don't know <laughs> I don't know what to do with this anymore. But they'll probably but, love you. Like, I mean, I mean, not that they... Yeah, they'll, they'll love it when you, I hand out the £20 notes. Yeah, I'm sure they will. But <laughs> just, I think or just be being... the taxi outside the nightclub that they're coming out of. Yeah. No, because it's fine. Because at that age, they'll start bringing boys into your life. So that's No, 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 no. We have an agreement. That's not happening. There's no way that's happening. <laughs> that's one thing I, I do think about, like, occasionally. Like, how am I going to deal with that? I know that's a while off now. My, my eldest is nine what that's what six seven years away hopefully i don't know i've got no idea how will i act when i'm in that situation will i be the domineering dad will i want to scare the crap out of him like they do in the films or am i going to be (laughs) a little bit more accepting and trust my daughter in her judgments and i'm not there yet i don't know but i've still got a couple of years to make up my mind around how that's going to look and feel yeah and i'm sure whatever plan i have will fall apart when i meet the joker who she's picked so we'll we'll wait and see i think the route to go on this one is to just be as embarrassing as possible oh i'm just already like, doing that utterly <laughs> right, okay we'll just ramp that up as embarrassing and awkward as possible the problem is that i've found as your children get older it doesn't matter what you do they find you embarrassing yeah sure right so there is nothing you might think you are the coolest guy on the planet like Anya doesn't care that I've got 589,000 followers on Instagram she thinks I'm a moron like and she thinks that my dancing is terrible that my singing's terrible my jokes are awful yeah but that's just a father and daughter relationship I guess yeah and that I'm okay with playing that kind of full role, if you will, because I think my dad did it to me and his dad probably did it to him. So. Of course. Just going back to what you said about kind of getting involved with what their interests are, quite a lot, you know, the stuff that you do with kind of the, when you play Barbie and things like that, like yeah. you got them to do like a drag, I saw like a Dragon's Den one, which yeah. I thought was quite clever and that just to kind of get them to think about business and that kind of thing. I thought that was quite good. Yeah, well, I think so many parents out there would usually say like, oh yeah, no, off you go and play. And then kind of leave their children to their own devices to do that. And the way that you, well, to my mind anyway, is that to get them to have that creative imagination is actually to encourage it, to engage in it, to be part of that. And they may well tell you just to kind of sod off and I want to have a bit of time on my own. But also, I think actually being part of their playtime is important. And yes, I get to be a kid again and play with myself, but I'm actually being part of their development, which I think is important. I think one of the things you notice when you become a parent is, uh, and and as your friends start to become parents, is your Facebook feed solely becomes 
this feed of babies and children and look at what so-and-so has done and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's a natural thing because as a parent, you're very proud of what you've done. Uh, and look, I made a baby. Uh, yeah. it, it's a good thing. And look, it does this and blah, blah, blah. And no one else might be interested, but you feel like the need to share it. So it's just one of those things that naturally happens. If you look at people at the age of 25 and under, you won't see any of that from 25 to 35. It's, it's full of it. And I think that's why Instagram has been a good uh, an outlet for yeah. uh, for parents because it's quite quick, it's photo based, and it's something that's not Facebook basically. So so they, they can be quick about what they look at and just kind of get on with parenting afterwards. Yeah. And what do you think about kids, young kids, sort of at the age of your eldest, you know, getting not having their own accounts and things like so, that? So yeah, there are. The, uh, I'm not comfortable with my daughter having an open account that is just open especially and especially it's, it's maybe different from my circumstance to other parents when i've got 589,000 followers there are going to be quite a lot of people who know my children and they could go and find out what their account is and follow them and i'm you know as i, yeah. I, have, I have to be as protective as i can and so even though some of her friends have accounts I'm actually probably more vigilant about them having a social media profile online. <laughs> My eldest daughter does have something called Musical.ly. Have you come across Musical.ly at all? I've heard of it, yeah. Right, so it's an app which they do snippets of songs to, and it's basically kids who record videos to those songs. Oh, yeah, I think Jim right, was yeah. talking about it. Right. Yeah, the last yeah, one. Right. Right. yeah, It's was, starting yeah. to generate a generation of children that only dance with one hand, Right, so they, they, <laughs> they, they hold the phone in one hand and then they will do dance moves yeah. like with one hand in yeah. front of their face like to represent the words in the song. Yeah. And I've said she can have that, that's fine, as long as it's a private account and it's only your friends that can follow you. It was open and then I realised that, no, that we're not, that's not cool. But there are a surprising large number of parents out there that will give kids access to social media and mm. I don't think they're necessarily checking on who's following yeah. them or where they're posting it to. And I don't know if it's out of naivety or just not really, you know, caring about that kind of side of it. But kids are spending an inordinate amount of time in their bedrooms recording videos or YouTube things. Yeah. And they're going up onto the internet. And as parents, you need to have an active kind of role in monitoring that stuff and, and kind of making sure that what's going out there is okay. And also, you know, who's looking at it. Mm. Mm. I have analytics that sit on my account and the original plan for me was to talk to dads. I wanted to engage dads like you guys are doing. And I think it's a great thing because not a lot of dads talk about parenting to each other. It's kind of this thing that you kind of sit on. And I think this is great because we're talking about it. Anyway, that was the intent. 90% of my followers are women. Right. It's because you're a good looking guy. That's what it is. Obviously. Well, yeah, no, you can't see it on this podcast, but I am really handsome. Anyway, the point being that Women tend to be nicer. You take that with a pinch of salt because there's a lot of catfighting that goes in there as well. But the, the comments that they will make tend to be nice, complimentary. And I don't know if this is... Uh, this is what, from my experience, trolls tend to be guys who are sitting in their room in dark corners <laughs> looking at a laptop who've got nothing better to do and kind of just thinking... God, this guy's an ass. You know, he's doing stuff that I can't do. Therefore, <laughs> I'm gonna. Exactly. Therefore, I'm gonna make a horrible comment. And I've never had a woman make a, like a, a mean trolley comment. It's always a guy. 
always a guy. Unless it's a woman pretending to be a guy. Oh, you flipped it on me. Nice job. So you never know. You never know. That's a supremely clever troll. That is the weird thing about the internet. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? You never know. We could all be women right now. You sound very well versed in this. (laughs) This is worrying. To all my mates, (laughs) I'm not even lying. Right, that's it for part one. We'll be right back after this. I know that you do quite a bit of traveling for your job. Yes. To the States and various other places. I do. My job entails travel as well, though I haven't actually done a trip thus far. So I was just wondering if you had any kind of tips or how, how, was, how was the first trip that you, that you did work trip without the, without the kids? Um, well, I mean, the, well, the, the attraction of uh, my job was the travel. That's why I did the job in the first place, because you get to go and see the world, right? So I, I set up a shared service center in Manila in the Philippines, and I do a lot of work in New York and Chicago and Philadelphia. So I do a fair amount of travel. But the novelty of travel wears off relatively quickly. Yeah. And even more quickly when you've got a family at home. Mm-hmm. That said, so when I first moved to London, I was in a situation uh, from Bristol. Right. Um, so I originally moved here for the job that I'm doing now, and it's evolved yeah. over time. But I was put on a job which was work based in The Hague in uh, Holland. And my wife, Clemmy, had moved up with me to London, and our daughter was five weeks old at the time. And I was on secondment in Holland for six months. Oh. Uh, I flew out on wow. a Monday got back on a Friday oh, wow. um, and I was having the life of Riley it was great <laughs> it, it, like I was staying in a nice hotel it had a water bed like everyone was giving me food I went out for nice meals and I'd come home and my wife was living in this basement flat she didn't know anyone we didn't know the neighbours oh, she's God. got a five week old baby and she had some serious kind of depressive problems while we were doing that and it made me realise that although it was important for me and for my job to do the travelling you know, actually, there are more important things like the, the sanity of my wife. So we got through that stage. But now that we, uh, we've come out the other end, we know how to deal with it. And it's really organization. I need to know a month in advance before I'm going somewhere yeah. so that we can organize grandparents to come up, 
uh, to figure out what we, if we're going to use uh, a nanny or a nursery to help with the childcare. And when I do go away, it's not like I'm going to take an extra day at the end anymore. I used to like yeah. stay out for an extra day so I could soak up the city. And I've kind of done that now. Yeah. And also, if I said to Clemmy, I'm going to Miami, I'm staying an extra day <laughs> to experience Miami, she would kill me. So <laughs> you could there, get a vasectomy done for free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I have to be careful about what I post online and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's more a case of in and out relatively quickly. I can spend some time in the lounge, get out, get to the hotel, do my work, get back on the aeroplane. And traveling has become a, a, a kind of chore of sure, efficiency yeah. now that I just want to kind of get through it to get home because I know that when I get home she's going to have been looking after the kids for three days it's usually a Saturday morning when I get home as well and depending on what mood she's in she'll either say right you need to go and have some sleep because you haven't slept very much or she'll say I've had enough you may have had two hours sleep on a plane but you're taking over now and she'll go out and get her nails done or go and see a friend or something but it's, it's one of those balancing acts that you have to kind of deal with so yeah the novelty's worn off be in be out do it quickly get home and do your parenting duty <laughs> yeah i'm trying to avoid having this situation for this I've, so i've got a trip booked to chicago and new york in june the end of june and i'm basically trying to persuade alice my girlfriend to come with me yeah um, i've never done that well she came with me on another trip when she was pregnant right but it was yeah obviously before the baby actually arrived and that was a much easier decision because it was you know straightforward for us to kind of yeah. know, get there but the thing that's sort of slightly making her apprehensive is just the stress of getting... Because I, 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 my flight's already booked and stuff through work, so she'd have to get a separate yeah. journey and get there by herself. And I'm just like, let's just do it. Yeah. But we're about to kind of test out how hard it is to do... Cause we're, we're, so my girlfriend's from New Zealand. Right. And we're leaving for Wellington on Friday. Okay. So what day? It's Wednesday we're recording. So like in two days' time. We'll be halfway there. Okay. By, by this time on Friday. Mm. God, what, um, how long is that flying? Uh, 20, 28 hours. Oh, so there's geez. two stops on the way. But then I guess with a, a, a baby that young, it's kind of, that's the best time to do it, right? That's the easiest time to take that's a where, kid that's abroad? What we, that's what we, kind of, we obviously, we, we booked it this a while ago before mm. the, the baby arrived, but mm. that was what we figured. That's mm. what people so, said to us and we... Well, I've got two pieces of advice, right? So one is work-related. Um, don't start bringing home gifts after work trips, depending on how frequently your work trips are. So my wife would always want a new perfume from the airport. Right. Standard. Fine. But I, my, the frequency of my chips started to pick up and it was costing me a fortune. And then the kids wanted something and a key ring wouldn't suffice. So it's like the bag of M&Ms, which is $25. Like, well, why are they charging that much anyway? And then it's the clothing and the rest. And, and there was a point where I just had to say, I'm not bringing you any more gifts anymore. And everyone cried, including my, including my <laughs> wife. And I was like, no, well, I can't do it anymore. It's costing me like $1,000 every three months to bring home stuff for you. So I'm not doing it. You're getting a magnet and that's it. But to the other, to the other half of what I was saying, so traveling with young kids. Yeah. Um, so we went to Morocco for New Year's Eve. Right. And we took my sister and Clemmy's sister and all the kids. And it was fine going out. Absolutely no problem. On the way back, 
we didn't make any bottles up for the babies. It's only three and a half hours flight, mind you. So we were thought, well, we might be safe. It's okay. And like, we weren't sure if we could get it through customs or made right. up and all that kind of stuff, which you can, by the way. So if you're listening to this, make bottles. For God's sake, make them. You can carry them on the plane and get them through security. No did, problem. Did you, you have can. to? Tr- yes. What, but only if they're un- under, no, hang on. You can, if, if it's baby's milk and it's under a certain measurement, you can. Look it up on the internet, but you definitely can How take do, bottles on the plane. I mean, do they test it? How do they do it? Yeah, yeah, they drink, drink it. <laughs> no, I, I am joking. I don't know how they test it, but they just seemed like it was okay. But the point was, so we didn't have bottles on the way home. And their ears started to play up as we right. took off, obviously. And being a baby, they can't express that. So they just cry and yeah. cry and cry. And we had two babies obviously so Clemmy would take one and walk down one end of the plane I would be down the other we would cross so it's like surround sound crying for everyone <laughs> on the plane so we would walk down uh, to meet in the middle then cross over and the end I had a brainwave I was like hang on they've got UHT milk haven't they so I got 40 sachets from the air stewardess and piled it into a bottle that I, we had in our luggage and fed them on that. And that finally kind of sorted it out. But, geez, don't get on a plane without a bottle or a dummy or something that is going to enable them to, yeah, um, the get, the, yeah, to get the ears sorted. Because uh, yeah. that's, that was a, a learning curve for me, a very steep one okay. over a three-and-a-half-hour period. <laughs> we will do that. That's probably the best advice we've had on this podcast. That is the best single piece of advice that we've had, I think. I because, think so. I, I mean, yeah, if we have that for, like, 28 hours... yeah. I See, mean, we might not make it to the Yeah, how, can you take enough milk for 28 hours? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, no idea. Yeah. Well, Alice has still got breasts. That's a good point. But maybe breasts don't work at like 40,000 feet. Maybe they stop working. Well, you're know. about to find out, aren't you? Well, yeah. Report back <laughs> on that one. Two breasts stop working at 48,000 feet. <laughs> The, the difficulty for me was moving to video and doing moving stuff. And I was really scared of that because that's a whole different world. Yeah. Like taking a quick picture on your phone and writing a caption. Yeah, I can do that. Actually coming up with an idea or a concept for a video and trying to make it fun and entertaining, but also keeping it real at the same time is, is different. And I'm actually starting a YouTube channel this month. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So I've, I've decided to try and you know embrace that side of it not move away from pictures not move away that's not fair i'm still going to be doing the instagram stuff yeah but um using youtube to connect more about the realities of parenting and just try and do some funny stuff really and make people how? laugh about parenting so do you have an idea of how often you're going to do like, <laughs> uh yeah so in my head i'm going to do it once a week it really comes down to how much time i'm actually allowed to do it I, i've just got this picture in my mind that it's going to be in like the pitch black because I'm going to be doing it at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> and it's like it's all going to be fake lighting and uh, I don't know when I'm going to find time to do it but the videos have kind of opened up a, a new world for me on Instagram so it's difficult because they're only they're restricted to 60 seconds yeah. so it requires a lot of heavy editing to try and get my story across and try and make that work and still be funny whereas YouTube is unrestricted in length so I can kind of put some of the other stuff that I might have put out there previously and do longer edits of things. So I'm still trying to figure out in my head exactly what that looks like. When when you do your videos and also, you know, your pictures Mm. with your descriptions and stuff, like how much do you kind of think about 
Like, do you? So when you 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 said said before that you know you have your phone ready and you take a picture. Yeah. You pay, take a picture presumably because you kind of think this is like a funny moment. But then, yeah. how much do you think about afterwards? Like, how do I describe this in like the, the best the, way? The or? energy goes into the description, definitely. So the, the the language that I use is about how we engage as parents and making it relevant to people because everyone has usually been through one of my situations that I've been through. If you're a parent of any age child up to the age of nine, you're going to have experienced this at some point. So it's, it's relatable. Yeah. It's making that language that I use to describe the picture relatable, funny. I usually use a metaphor of some sort to say this is similar to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the idea is just to give people a laugh and, uh, and a bit of an escape from they might have had a crap day uh, and just me- try and make people feel better that they're not alone in their situation, mm. that we're all doing the same stuff. We might not all talk about it, but I'm willing to, so have a laugh at me. One thing we should talk about, let's, should we, I mean, the brown dressing gown. Now what's... Ah, yes. What's Old brown. That? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it has a name. Okay. So they were wedding gifts that were given to us, uh, when were we married? 2008. Right, and it's just part of my weekend routine that old brown would be there I'd get up and you know I've used it for storing bottles and you know all this kind of stuff it's a horrible horrible dressing gown (laughs) and actually there was a company that took pity on me and sent me a new dressing gown oh really yeah fat face I think it was and that'll be they, another one in the post there you go yeah <laughs> um, but, but um i just had it for a long period of time it's older than all of my children <laughs> so God, it, fair enough yeah and uh yeah it had to go in the bin the other day just because whoa it's, yeah it's horrible it, it like it it smells it just it's it, gone I mean, you can't wash it though presumably well yeah but it's like washing a towel like a hundred times and yeah. it starts to lose its fluffiness yeah, yeah, yeah and it's no longer that nice comforting blanket that you put on in the morning it's like this scratchy thing right yeah man so, you've sold out you've got yeah. a fat face and what's wow. colors of old brown what colors your new uh, it, it's gray with sheep's wool lining oh, oh my god it sounds like fucking luxury <laughs> it is believe me it, feel, it feels good against my skin yes but will it hide all the stains like the puke stains and the all that which old brown did so well that is true you obviously got sent that free dressing gown mm, i mean did. for people to send you other free stuff once you have a certain number of followers people send you stuff <laughs> and it's great i mean it's free stuff it's great i'm not Brilliant. going to complain about it but our house is starting to look like a ups delivery depot <laughs> where we will and i'm on first name terms with the delivery guys that turn up there's like five different companies and i know all of their names now and i know how many kids they've got yeah because we get five or six boxes a day of stuff um, is it always good it's always stuff that you want or do you kind of someone looking well right? i mean I, how many baby grows do you need mm. like, um, but there but are gifting though that's yeah i mean i'm Look, don't get me wrong. I think it's nice that we get that. There was never the intention of why I got into this. It's a fringe benefit of like the the reason why I got into this. The one thing is that you, you start to get when you have a large number of following is advertisers want to work with you. Yeah. Mm. And it, it's a natural thing. You have a following. You have an audience of a certain type that people want to engage with. And there seems to be this whole holier-than-thou kind of thing that followers get annoyed about if you're advertising something and why shouldn't i use a platform that i built over a year to advertise something if someone is willing to give me some payment or something to be able to do an advert in a way that i wanted to do and i get to keep the product at the end then why shouldn't i and in fact the the money that i earn from that 
goes to feed my family and to put them through school or get them all the stuff that they want. And I don't think that's necessarily a negative thing. There are some people out there that really do see it as a negative. They're like, oh, you've done too many adverts. You've I'm, sold I'm un- out. You've I'm sold unfollowing. Out well, <laughs> you can say that if you want, but put yourself in my situation and you need to buy some things for your kids and yeah. you don't have the money because you've paid your mortgage and someone's offering you some money if you hold up a product and mm. talk about it. Then you might think differently yeah yeah just to be clear we are fully on board with that and if anyone wants to send us any uh i mean nike air max ones would be good yeah um, any any endorsements james any, is happy to do we'll, I'll I'm, do anything. I, I'm more i'm more judicious about these things but you know i, I go pretty low this this brings us on quite nicely actually to the segment that we usually run around this time which is dad tech On my way here, I was on Twitter and I saw the best thing I've seen in a long time. Ford cars have engineered, and I'm giving them a name check because basically send me what. If I could get one to review, that would be great. And then I can do a proper review. But until then, I've seen the YouTube video and everyone should look at this. It's basically they've created a crib which mimics the movement and sound of a car. So, and not just that, but it's got LED lights around the rim, the inside rim, which, again, replicate, like, the orange flashing street lights going past. So they kind of, like, strode past in a rhythm that would be the same as street lights going past in a window. And the base of it, I guess, like, tilts and undulates as if if the car's turning. And underneath is a speaker, which has a, uh, like, a muffled, reduced engine noise and vibrations. Now... If that wasn't good enough, what it also does, it links to your phone. So if you've got a drive that you do, which you know your baby falls asleep to, like going up to the shops and back sort of thing, you can take your phone with you on this drive, hit record or whatever on your phone. It records the movements of your car and the speed at which you go. And then you can come back, plug it into your crib, and it will replicate that exact drive. Now, never mind it for a baby... Make an adult size one because I want one of them because that would send me to sleep like that. I'm telling you. What is the most like obscure thing you've done to get one of your kids to sleep? Um, I, I don't think I've had to do anything extreme. I think my kids have generally been quite good sleepers and I've been lucky about that. I've not been the person to crow about it either just in case it blows up in my face. But I think just picking them up and rocking them is the thing that I was most used to doing and then there's this kind of silently putting them down as if they're a bomb or a landmine like don't let it go off you've got to put them back into bed <laughs> quietly and, and and then kind of retreat to a safe distance before you can shut the door and remember to pull the music cord as you leave and then hope and pray that the monitor doesn't start crying so i mean it's just a, a standard kind of issue rock and you know, shake you until they're going to sleep. I mean, I always find that when I do that, like they're perfectly sort of relaxed and asleep. Mm. And then you do that. And then, yeah, yeah it's, okay, it's the motion. Okay. It's the and motion. as soon as you put them down, it's like... It's the motion like, of fuck! Moving, <laughs> moving from vertical to horizontal. It's obviously their internal gyroscope is just like, nope, absolutely yeah. no way am I doing this. Something's happened. My eyes are closed. But something is wrong here, and I'm, I've not got this warm body next to me anymore. I've got this cold blanket and this stupid teddy bear next to me, well, to and be, it just sets them off. To be yeah. fair, if I fell asleep standing up and someone tried to lie me down, I'd know about it, wouldn't I? 
Uh, depends how drunk you were. Yeah, that's a good point. And that is probably the only time I would fall asleep <laughs> standing say- up. <laughs> I've got Clemmy's book here, How to Grow a Baby and Push It Out, which you feature in, right? I like, do. In a couple of places. Yeah. I, I, I like this, especially the second bit that you wrote, which let me just open it up on there, which was the partner's perspective of like after yeah. the birth and how to kind of like deal with not just becoming a dad, but how to then like be... I guess mindful that your your missus has, has gone through something and yeah. she's recovering from something, and how to yeah. like be be a help around the house without yeah. you know I mean, just kind of going. Is there anything I can do? Sort of thing, yeah, exactly. You know? And like maybe we take it for granted that women are supposed to have babies, but they go through a hell of a journey, mm. yeah. like emotionally, physically, and in a number of other ways. And it's very easy for us to be like, "Geez, man, they complain all the time," or. Why can't they just relax? Well, mainly because their body has changed, their hormones imbalances have changed, they've carried another human for nine months, and they just need support and help after that nine months. And it's, it's a real emotional drain for them, and you need to be there as a kind of positive influence in their lives. Mm. So actually just learning how to help, how to be around them, and how to like, just give them a break in those first couple of weeks, because especially if they're breastfeeding, they're going to feel drained. Um, it's an important thing. I've actually got like the text of uh, one of your captions from your Instagram here. It's sort of a shout out to sort of mums. So I just thought I'd read it out. It's quite long, so uh, bear with me. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Clemmy's been away on a well-deserved break. And after walking in her shoes for a couple of days with all four girls, I feel the need to give a shout out to all the mums. To the single mums, the working mums, stay-at-home mums and every other type there is. The mums who grew, fed and lugged around a baby and gave birth whatever way you did it. Who do the night feeds next to snoring men and change more nappies than there are combinations to winning lottery. To the mums who pound the pavement with a buggy on cold days and attend the happy clappy classes when you feel like shit. The mums who do the school run, who sign permission slips and wait endlessly for their kids. To the mums who prepare food, whether it's a pouch or a Michelin starred, with little gratitude from their offspring. To the mums who struggle to squeeze a shower in and drink cold tea. To the mums who buy the kids clothes and organise the family calendar. To the mums who just get on with it, despite being overtired and underappreciated. You are amazing. I don't know how you do it day in, day out, and you should be proud. Yeah, so what was, so what was your um, kind of thought process behind that, Simon? Well, I think in today's society, the majority of parenting, and hopefully this changes over time, but the majority of parenting at home is done by mums. Um, Dads are still the one that goes to work, and especially around maternity leave, mums are the ones that will stay at home and will be the ones that come home at 6.30, 7 o'clock and kind of do the bath time, bedtime routine. But there is so much goes on while we're sat in the office, and I think there's just a need to appreciate just how much work goes into parenting when fathers aren't necessarily around and also how boring it can be it's not a thrill ride every day it's a grind it can be hard work and just an appreciation and a pat on the back or bringing something home to say you know I know what you're going through or I appreciate all what you're doing while I'm at work it can make a huge amount of difference so just never forget that make sure you say thank you make sure you're saying you're doing a good job and make sure you say that they're appreciated here here 
Well, I think that probably about wraps up the conversation for today. Thank you so much, Simon, for coming in and joining us. No, thank you very much for having me on. And I love what you guys are doing. Um, I think it's a positive message. We need to make sure that we're talking about this more, not just only between fathers, but, you know, between parents and be open about what parenting is about. So you guys are doing a great job. So thank you for having me on. Please, could you continue to sort of help us reach other fathers and, you know, anyone else who's interested in the topic of parenting by downloading and rating and reviewing. Rating and reviewing is the key part because that will really help us kind of reach other people, reach other people, reach other people. Reach other people.